Hey, I'm John. And I'm Becky. And this is the We Are For Good podcast. Nonprofits are faced with more challenges to accomplish their missions and the growing pressure to do more, raise more, and be more for the causes that improve our world. We're here to learn with you from some of the best in the industry, bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising. So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world. So let's get started. Hey, Becky. Hi, John. Happy Friday, everybody. This is a first. I know. This is our first guest we've ever had on a Friday episode in in like 200 episodes, right? We always have these Friday combos where we have these talks. And I think it's been a dream that we just like bring in friends just to like pull a seat up to the table so we can just talk about something. And today that's happening. We brought the queen of leadership, the person who honestly taught us everything that we need to know in the last 18 months since I think we first met. But today, guys, we are gathered to hang with Kashana Palmer, CEO of Kashana & Co., the founder of the Rooted Collaborative. And I am just here to say that I believe Kashana is the, globally, the foremost disruptive leadership coach in our industry. And so we had to bring somebody on to talk about this next generation of leadership, of mindsets, of how we're going to pivot in this new world. Sorry, John, that I just said pivot, your most hated word. But (laughs) when when you're talking about how to level up an entire industry, how do we shift mindsets? We've talked about risk, embracing risk. We've talked about embracing empathy. And today we're talking about why it is important for you to have self self-reflection. This is about correctedness and going inside and doing some self-work and who else to bring on but the expert herself. Tashana Palmer, welcome back. <laughs> I'm always like, is that me? <laughs> That's you, girl. Own it. Own it. You are on this platform. We are passing you our microphone and we are about to get educated by you and so is everyone else. And we are just going to bring your energy in. It's going to be fun. This is like hanging out with friends. Let's just speak some truth. You know, we got to meet Kish. We were looking up to her. She was on our dream list to get on the podcast. She came on the podcast. We were like blown away by her. And then we got to meet you in person and we're like, oh, wait. She's this amazing in real life and really the way she cares for people, surrounds people and actually lives out the stuff she talks about. And so that's why we wanted to tap into your brain. Like we can't think about talking about leadership without, you know, having you speak into this conversation. So today that's what we want it to be. Yeah. You know, we're coming out of next gen series of leadership. This is so good. Oh my gosh. People are craving, not necessarily like new per se, because you chase new and new is fleeting, but they're craving fresh. You know, like I think about my mom who, um, when I learned to cook, never cooked from a recipe. And I didn't know for a really long time, probably since I was like a teenager, that she was taking our leftovers and she was just like fandangling them. And then they would like magically be new dishes, you know? So it doesn't always have to be like the new, new, but y'all have managed to really invite people into the conversation of what's fresh, And I think that there's a difference in that because I think particularly as we think about next gen, there might be this desire, particularly for like emerging professionals or folks who are like more seasoned than just tired to just put everything down. And like, I don't want you to throw everything away. I want you to be able to take what's happening now in our world and apply those particular situations 
with those principles, some of which will not meet muster anymore and others will get new life. And I think that that's really, really important. And so to me, that's what um, the series has done because it allows folks to just breathe new air into what was frankly kind of stale and out of touch. I mean, I love that you're saying that because I feel like we're a little obsessed. Becky's really obsessed with the great resignation. So obsessed. Oh my God, I'm obsessed. I have like ridiculous amounts of articles that I read about and I was everything. Just, okay, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I realize in, in some context, like it's a position of privilege to talk about like people can just move throughout whatever jobs they want when they don't, you know, align with something. But I do feel like there's an overall reckoning, right? That's happening. And just the old school way of showing up of leadership that's out of touch or that's not really valuing the people at the center are going to have a really hard time existing in this new reality. Or at least it feels like that. Do you see that in what you're in, in who you're talking to and in the work that you're doing? Absolutely. I mean, I think there are a couple of things that are happening in this uh, sort of in this great resignation for me. Folks are delusional. Okay. This <laughs> the right side. So you just wake up in the morning and you're like, I quit and you're out of here. Like that's not real life. Like I need people to be realistic about where they are in what season of their life. And to your point, John, that there is a privilege in being able to say, I'm out of here. Um, and then what happens then? And so I think what I want people to really to, to think about is it's easy to jump out of the frying pan into the fire if you're not careful. And so one, what skills are you really bringing to the table? And I think of our work in terms of at its lowest level, which where which is where honestly most of us live, at our skills. Things, and I think I've mentioned this before, things that you learn to do over time and then you get paid to do. But what happens if you start thinking about your talents? And those are things that come easy to you. You may pick them up, you may put them down, you may use them, you look at them a little sideways. And if you want, if you work on those things, you can monetize them. And the thing that many of us hold out as sort of like aspirational one day are our gifts. And those are the things that we are born with. And if we're darn lucky, we get to monetize them. And so when I think about leadership and I think about what's next, I think that it really requires us to understand where have we been vibrating? Mm. Are you in your skills level? Are you in your talent level? Are you even touching your gifts? Do you even know what they are? Have you slowed down enough to know? Or are you just angry at work? (laughs) Resenting the loans and resenting the job and resenting having to be on Zoom and all of it. You just want to nap. It's so good because it's getting to the core of it. Because we don't want to miss this. We're all like burnt out and tired of a lot of the issues that the pandemic created in terms of how we show up to work or kind of the blend perhaps. But I love this. And this is leading perfect into this conversation of self-reflection, knowing yourself, yeah. knowing your skills, knowing where your vibe, the word vibrate, I think is so. I know I'm going to keep using that. Yeah, let's keep using that. But let's, let's go deeper there because we want to talk about how you self-reflect. How do you step into that? And I mean, you're an executive coach. I mean, we didn't do your formal bio here, but I mean, Kish consults with some of the top leaders in our in the country. She flies around the world giving keynotes on how to like show up with this. Like this is your space. This is your jam. Like how do you sit across the table and encourage someone to dig in and figure out who they are, you know, and really if they're aligned with how they're showing up at the workplace? I think for me, it's because I have a truly natural curiosity, uh, sometimes nosy, (laughs) 
<laughs> you're not newsy. Newsy, you're newsy. newsy. Uh, to understand how people work. And so when I was a frontline fundraiser full time, um, I used to get all of the like donors and the prospects that folks didn't want because there was ego, there was this, there was that. I was highly amused. Okay. Like I would go into conversations like, oh, oh, you're a tyrant? Like, they didn't know that they were on stage giving me my 19 minutes of comedy. Okay. Like I was excited about life. And so I learned over time to really read what people were really craving. I'll give you a really quick example that I think will tie this together about like how I'm able to understand where people show up. So I grew up in church. I'm a Christian. People, people know, everybody knows about me. I've got huge faith and I don't hide it. But I grew up in a very conservative uh, denomination. I grew up Seventh-day Adventist. And even as a kid, um, going to church on Saturday, which is our Sabbath, doing those kind of things, I was a questioning child. And so I was like, so are you saying that this is religious or this is doctrine or is this tradition? Like, I need to understand because, you know, either one is okay. But I want to just, you were conflating. I didn't use conflate when I was nine, I want you to say. But what I started to observe, even though I didn't have words then, was that in spaces like church, like civic organizations, I'm talking about, it could be your Rotary Club, okay? Your PTA or PTO. Some of y'all about to know what I'm talking about. Yeah. We have situational power. And what I started to understand was the more people kind of flex and fluff their feathers in these domains at church, in your sorority fraternity, in your local community group, in your social or civic organization, I started to go, oh, oh, you don't have control at home or you don't have power in some other aspect of your life. And so you are exerting that in this situation. So that's situational power. And so once I started to observe it, remember, I didn't have words as a kid. I could just see things were going on. Then I could go, oh, well, this is not really about me. Or, oh, you're not so bad. That ability to be able to see how people were like moving in different spaces allowed me to be able to go a little bit closer to understand what was really driving them. And so because I was a fundraiser and a marketer and using communications, getting to the heart of what drives people to do a thing was for me the hallmark of a good leader. Okay. I believe all of that happened. And I think it's so wise. And I, there's two, there's two things that I'm seeing bubble up from that, which you had incredible self-awareness, which I think is a great hallmark in terms of emotional intelligence. If you're going to be one of these empathy-based leaders, if you're going to have, be a leader that embraces risk, if you want to go in and do the self-reflection, you got to have some crazy good self-awareness. And that means checking yourself. And the other thing is you were such a good listener. Like you could hear what they were saying, which wasn't exactly what they were saying. You like listened in. And I think that's what's so interesting about and why you're so evolved. I think, I mean, you're so far beyond everybody else I know in this space. I'm always early to the party. I have to tell you, Becky. I think one of the ways that folks can try to understand leadership is there is self-leadership to me. I'm sure there's a fancy theoretical word, but I don't know it, Um, where you are literally like governing yourself. And I said, you know, govern yourself accordingly. So there's that, like, (laughs) how do you self-govern in terms of your ability to, to do all of those things, to be empathetic, to listen, to lean in, to see others, to see how your response to things affects others? 
And I think that we're used to leaders and leadership feeling like and having the experience of being up in this tower that you can't get to. When what you're seeing, what you're describing is that there's leadership across all levels. And you've got to be practicing that from the intern to the associate, to the assistants, to the analysts, to the manager, to the managing director, to the VP, to the AVP, to the senior VP, to the C-suite. It has to be practiced, which is why understanding how to manage up is, to me, a key leadership tool because everybody's always reporting to somebody. So I ref- I run my own company, great. I'm still responsive to my clients and my team and my public because there are folks who are doing this at every move. I am making, right? And so you have to you have to calibrate constantly. And I think what we're seeing in terms of Becky, you naming of the folks coming undone is that we were just zombies. Head sort of down, eyes sort of dim, just doing what we're doing, getting your check on the 15th and the 30th, having moments of inspiration and passion, which is why when you see folks go to conferences and you see folks hear a good keynote speaker and you see folks go to a training, they get that initial boost, that little zest. Then within three yeah. weeks, a month, six weeks, two years, where did it go? Gone. Because folks were asleep. And so now folks who are in physical leadership seats, CEOs, executive teams, etc., are literally being forced to confront many of the policies and practices that have kept folks on that conveyor belt for a really long time. And I think that that we're seeing that effect happen now. So to me, one of the ways that you can get off the conveyor belt, people are just jumping off. They're like, so people are doing that. But also there's somebody who found the big red stop button over there in the corner and was like, what is this? Let me just, and everybody's stopping. And so the stopping is where the opportunity for self-reflection is necessary to happen because otherwise we're going to be existing and you want to be living over existing. We're taking a quick pause today to thank our sponsor, Neon One. Our friends over at Neon One provide software that connects organizations to what matters most, their people and their passions. With the year-end giving season here, there's a lot to learn about the results from Giving Tuesday that could help your year-end campaigns. Like, would you have guessed that over 45% of all donors were new to the organizations they choose to support? Or that 55% more of Neon One's clients participated in Giving Tuesday compared to last year? Giving Tuesday was a huge success with over $22.2 million raised on Neon One and end of year appeals are still on the horizon. Are you getting ready for the final days of 2021? Get support from other nonprofits like you by joining Neon One's year-end giving connections community today. Visit neonone.com slash weareforgood or follow the link in our show notes. Hey friends, after meeting some of the most visionary leaders and world changers in the nonprofit sector today, we realize they all have one thing in common. They invest in themselves and their teams so they can stay relevant to what's working now to succeed and scale their missions. You know us, we believe education's for all, and that's when we created We Are For Good Pro. Pro is reimagining nonprofit professional development, giving you access to incredible live coaching events with some of the best thought leaders like Kashana Palmer, Lynn Wester, and more. Imagine being able to work through your challenges in real time, that's the power of pro every week we host a new workshop giving you the playbook and tools to take immediate action build your confidence and grow your impact 
Be the pro and get started today with a 14-day free trial. Head over to weareforgoodpro.com slash free. Okay, let's get back to this amazing conversation. Yeah, uh, so much that I want to like dive into because, you know, we obviously believe hugely in like these professional development experiences. I mean, it's part of how we grow but I think that there's like absence of you've got to do that in community yes. too. Like everything has a lens of like, you have to do it in community. I think of this conversation we had this week on the podcast with Kimberly O'Neill. She was kind of challenging us on the power of words and we're riffing, you know, offline of just how difficult it is to be public in the public sphere and be talking all the time. Like we're going to say stuff all the time that's, that's going right. to land wrong with people mm-hmm. and how, you know, I ask her, how do you what kind of leader do you need to be to show up to be able to receive that feedback and do something to either change or to explain or whatever the next step is. And her number thing was self-care, which I thought was really interesting, you know, because if you're not taking care of yourself, then you can't. And I think that's exactly what I'm hearing from you. You can't live in today's world. if you're not. You can't. And I think that we have mistaken self-care for maintenance. And the, the and sort of the tropes of self care that have that now have become a big monetized industry. Get a massage, go to stretch, go to the spa, take a walk, do yeah. mindfulness, listen to this app. Right, like we have <laughs> taken the things that for some folks is just what keeps you at a low hum and not really giving people space to develop for themselves their own self care practice. So, like I will say, my maintenance practice is making sure that I get my hair done every eight weeks. I get braids for right now. We'll see, we'll see what happens. They look gorgeous. Thank you. Before I had a, I had a, I had a blonde crop cut. It was very good. But <laughs> I get my nails done every three weeks. I get a facial every six massage every month. I can keep going. Those things for me are part of my self maintenance because they make me happy, but then I go up to self care. So care for me is looking at my calendar today and going, I don't have lunch in my calendar again and texting a good friend of mine who I'm having a meeting with and going, Hey, let's reschedule this meeting for next week. If you can, the new year, if you can't, because I don't have time to eat. Yeah. That's a care practice. Care is taking back control of your calendar. I am so annoyed when I talk to leaders who tell me they do not have I, I have to be in that meeting. I have to do that. You don't have to do nothing but die, okay? And pay taxes. And even that, according to some people, is questionable. <laughs> not where I live, okay? So the reality is that whatever it is that feels like it is squeezing the juice out of your brain, you have to release the pressure. What do you need to do to release that pressure? And so mine is in the things that I say no to and things that I say yes to. That is a care practice, not putting myself in situations where I have to twist myself into a pretzel for other people's temporary comfort. And so as a leader, regardless of your leadership seat, where are you twisting yourself into a pretzel for other people's temporary comfort? Is it in document production? Is it in the number of meetings that you have? Is it in the types of donors that you want to go after? Is it the type of partnerships you're pursuing? Is it the dates you're going on at night? Okay. What 
is the light on and the fridge when you open it at night? Like what what are you hungry for? I think that's Alana Mars said I, I got close, but I don't know if I quoted it directly. When I think about the care aspect, what I think about is when you do or don't do a thing, are you respecting yourself? So for me, care, self-care and self-respect have started to come together like magnets. Real-time example, I got divorced when I was 31. I thought I was going to be married forever and ever. I wanted to have three kids and this is, you know, the house and the bits of business, bits of business. I had all the things. That ain't happened for me. I realized just in the last year that I have spent a decade chasing that life, just trying to be chose. Now I masked it better and I had better words and I made it pithy and fun. But ultimately I made decisions for myself that were not in alignment with my ability to be respectful of my own space and of my own care because of my desire for other people's aspirations of me. You just need somebody to take care of you. So it took me chronicling my dating life, which I have very publicly from June to this week. So that's almost six months to decide. So you talk about, you talk about practice and self-acceptance and calibration that from this January until my birthday in May, I am doing a full dating detox. And because I'm a nerd, I have a curriculum. I have books to study. I have passages. I have a special journal. It's going to be hard. Of course, the minute I said I'm taking a detox, men started falling from the sky like manna. (laughs) I give you all this, this personal example because I think that we have gotten it twisted that when we're thinking about how to have self-care, have self-awareness, step fully into being leaders, understand where our shortfalls are and our shortcomings are, that it only happens at work. No, friends, this happened in your personal life too. I just want you to know. And so those things for me all go together. What do you think, John? I saw you nodded and I was like, I don't know what to, what did I say? I'm just, I guess I'm having a shrink moment here. You're speaking to me. Self-respect. I mean, this is a, this is a big thing. I mean, for me personally, you know, because my personality type is an Enneagram nine. I want to keep peace. Like I want peace, like in every facet. And I'm like the giantest pretzel here, you know, because I'm trying to keep the peace in all these pots. And I do see that it points back to where's the respect of self that sleep matters, that how you're eating, how you're working out, how you're showing up for yourself out of respect for your body and your soul, and your mind, like it is all interconnected. And I think we need to rename it. Like I'm like respect to me lands because I get it and I, I feel it in my bones. You are such a special human being, like incredibly special. And I think the reason that, and, and it's just kind of converging for me right now, the reason I think that you are so special and why I think that you are the most progressive thought leader in our sector is because it's people hire a leadership coach to help them through their work. And you just hit the nail on the head and your approach is it starts with you. And there is absolutely no way that you can be this luminary leader, even if you care so deeply about your people, if you do not take care and love yourself. That's right. And I, I love how vulnerable you are all the time. I love how real you are. You are keeping it real every single time we see you. And that is what makes you so special is because there is empowerment in knowing thyself 
and feeling like you can be that person. And so just the level of you're, you're coming in here and you are giving us like the most epic leadership tips here, but there's also a love letter here to yourself about what are we doing guys? Like, how are we looking inside, loving ourselves, having some pause? Because when we do that and we start to unwind again, the pretzel, John, you think you're a pretzel. It's like, I'm a Enneagram too. I'm the harmonizer. Julie and I twist ourselves into all kinds of shapes just to make sure that everybody else is feeling great. And I think that there, this whole self-care concept, I love what you're saying. It jives completely with the conversation we had um, with Eleanor Wells and the cohort for care girls, you know, about self-care is not enough. It's, it's a step and it's a tactic and we call it temporary happiness at our house. Like it's going to yes. give you some temporary happiness, temporary. but there's got to be some intentionality in how we're building this in long-term because it's going to ripple out into the personal, into the civic groups, into the work, into where you're volunteering, all of it. And it's about not just existing, living to your point and having a vibrant life, whether you're going to work, whether you're at home, whether you're going to do something fun. So yeah, I'm going to need to process all this. And I think, and I appreciate that. I think, and, and to me, I am living this in real time. And so one of the things that I decided when I said, I'm not going to just focus on fundraising. I don't know if I was really that great of a fundraiser. I raised millions of dollars, sure. But I didn't last that long in any organization I was at. My teams were fantastic. So they lasted. The donors kept coming. So I did something right. <laughs> but my own personal like checkbox, eh, man. And I know I'm hard on myself. But I also know what my A looks like, right? So I can say that and also go, I'm really, really, really freaking good. And making sure that others see the power in themselves and that they harness it and they action it. Because you can be scared to death of your power. It's taken me a very long time to go, oh, Kashana, you need to be on somebody's screen. Oh, Kashana, you need to do... Because I was like, oh, my first year of fundraiser, I was 21 years old. Be humble. Oh, they tell you that real quick. It is not about you. It is about the organization. You check your ego at the door. We celebrate the wins of the organization. And I'm like, I just want a $50 million grant. You want me to, the press release don't even have my name on it? That's like when you're like, you're in a movie, you see the movies and you and you have a friend who's an extra and they're like, well, you see that man in the back whose back is turned with the parking lot? That's me. <laughs> that's how I felt my whole career like really like I'm an extra in a in a movie that I wrote like that doesn't make sense and so you know what I am experiencing now in real time I absolutely believe will have effect on the multitudes I really do I don't really like the fact that I'm constantly going through the storm it's really annoying and I, I put a post the other day that I was like Sometimes I feel like saying to God, and for those for folks who are not believers, who have a different faith center, whatever, you know, whatever your it, your thing is, like, just go with me here. But I did write a post that says, sometimes I just want to say to God, can I speak to your manager? <laughs> <laughs> Who's in charge here? You know, because it just always, it feels like you're just constantly doing. And so in this season, to the point of this conversation, if you are at a point in your life where you feel like you've just been a growing and a growing and a learning and a trial and a growing, take a break. You don't have to be learning and growing and self-reflecting and, and just developing and journaling and doing all the things and going on a journey and seancing and going to the yoga retreat. You don't have to do that. Just go to the movies. <laughs> Eat good snacks. Like, it's okay to take a break if you have been 
in this sort of like moving, thinking, doing place and just be. And I say that as somebody who is learning how to be. One of the things that my therapist said to me um, a few months ago, she was like, you know, Kashana, you're not a problem to be fixed. And I was like, what would you say now? Because I will fix a problem. Okay. Um, And so when we think about that acceptance, that reflection going into the new year, what I really encourage folks to do is to take an assessment, just take stock of your big wins and your little ones, of your big bloops and your little ones, of your meh. I mean, I could have had a V8. (laughs) Like, map that thing out. Because it's so good to be able to see on paper, like what you've done. I was doing our company's end of year report. I was writing it the other night. And I didn't really have that many big things on there this year compared to last year. Last year, I was doing the whole most. But I did less things this year than I did in 2020. And what I realized when I was writing was, because Shauna, you said your word of the year was ease. So you put down things that didn't allow you to operate in ease. And that was scary for me. So there are some folks who are sitting in their leadership roles or getting ready to step into their leadership roles that you think you got to buckle up. It's about to be a ride. What if you decided that that was not going to be your story? What would that look like for you? So I think that that reflective opportunity doesn't have to be heavy, but it does have to be thoughtful and you owe it to yourself, John, back to that, like, respect yourself enough to give yourself space to think about you. And I think there's power in, and if you have to type it out or like write it out, mm-hmm. I think there's power in doing that and pause yes. to do that. Yeah. Your annual report, it's not like you have shareholders of Kishana. Yeah. You're doing that too for your own self-reflection, I feel like. And celebrate. I mean, looking back on just even a little punch list, and it doesn't even have to be, I'm telling you, and I think this is what you're saying, Kashana. It doesn't have to be, I, I fundraise this. It could be, I had this really powerful relationship happen. I solved this issue in my family, you know, mm-hmm. what, whatever it is, you know, we need to create pause. And I'm feeling that so much. And as, as hustlers, um, you know, we just had Katie Appold on uh, yesterday or Wednesday mm-hmm. on the podcast. And she says, we are a sector that toils. And we've Boy. got to quit toiling. We got to create some pause. And I think that starts with you. Absolutely. And I really think that like, um, and this is for my program folks who are, you know, um, listeners to the podcast, which I know there are tons of folks who are just like in the programmatic work, right? Like you don't have to create more activities. Okay. Okay. You don't have to create more things. Maybe the things you have right now are not the right things, but you don't have to create new things. Yeah. I think we had to your point about toiling. We have this idea that we got to do more. We got to show more. We got to shuffle. We got to dance. We got to, but no, we don't. We do not. And I continue to believe some organizations don't need to exist. Every organization should have a a timestamp on it. Sometimes your mission work is actually finite. That needs to be okay. That needs to be okay. So it works really well in the corporate sector. Companies get acquired, companies close, companies grow, companies merge to continue to move the needle on whatever their mission or purpose is. And so it should be okay to make the decision that you've gone as far as you can with the resources, the talent, the space you have. And maybe it's time 
to Voltron. So I think that as folks are like reflecting, those are some of the things I might add to the list that you might want to consider. I just think what a beautiful way to wrap up this year. I mean, I think this is a place that I want to end on, you know, personally and as a community, I've just like taken stock, looking back and realizing this next year can be what the shape we want it to take. You know, let's hold to the values that we really want to perpetuate in our life and our organizations. And so, okay, Kish, here's the thing. You, we, we love you. Okay. We love that you show up and just pour yourself into this amazing podcast that you started. You started it in January this year, which is crazy because it's been like such a long time, right? Oh my God. It is such an epic podcast. Fascinating because you're so vulnerable all the time. Your guests are so interesting, diverse, even your family members, right? Come in and cast. Like I just, please share about it because I want, you know, our community here, I think would just really enjoy leaning into your podcast and the new season that's coming. Kind of share us. Yes. There. Yeah. So let's take this offline, the podcast for everyday leaders. So when I started it, I was like, I just want to have conversations about the stuff that we talk about when a meeting is over. Like the questions that we ask ourselves, the like, Limp girl, meet me in the parking lot because these people. <laughs> okay. So my podcast really explores thematically like what we are feeling. And so going into this new year, season three is really going to explore like the calamities of leadership. Because I think that folks sometimes feel like you just have to be this like, I got to get it right. I got to be perfect. And so my guests, are going to talk about the ways in which they just didn't get it all right. And I'm going to teach folks about how to actually start the steps of leaning into understanding yourself. Understand that I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, so I'm a mental health professional. So thankfully, I have really great friends in the world who will come on who are. But that this is going to be a space where we can laugh about the foolishness of being parents and caregivers. Sometimes at home and sometimes at work. Because you know you couldn't take Kathy into jail. Okay? All right? Somebody is doing that. And what does it mean when you have relationships at work? And what happens when those relationships fracture? Micromanaging, not being able to get along with your colleagues, um, not being able to understand that and navigate hardboard relationships. So my podcast will continue to explore that and continue to explore like just the, the the fabric of how humans behave at working at home. Um, it's all order, but it will kick off January 6th for season three, episode one. And I think it will continue to grow. I respond to what folks want um, and also what I see out in the world. We just think it's one of the most dynamic podcasts for nonprofit professionals. And even if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm not a leader in my organization, the point is everybody is a leader. We've had this conversation. And so if you love Kish's energy the way that we do, Mm -hmm. if you love the way that she challenges your thinking, the way that she's helping to level you up, go check out. Let's take it offline. And I have to give you one more shout out because you came into pro. You have an incredible good guide in pro. And thank you so much for coming in to our little Netflix for nonprofits. But you came in and did a live coaching on leadership. And we had so many people coming up, shooting questions to you. And it was one of the most impressive 
um, professional development, you know, hours I've ever seen in my career. And so I just have to give a plug for pro because the life coaching that's going on in there, what you've done with your good guide on leadership and how you walk people, you know, through how do we just create these very dynamic environments and cultures and how do we have just luminary leadership is so inspiring. And I just, Thank you for being yourself, for bringing this vibrant community of vulnerability and love of self into what we do. I just think it's going to help us level up the sector in an amazing way. And I'm so excited for it. You know, I want us in this sector to stop feeling like the stepchildren of the work world. Yes. Um, There are so many of us who have multiple degrees and multiple certifications and designations and all of the learnings, both in the school of hard knocks and in the school of take all your money until you have student loan. <laughs> so <laughs> we are, you know, I think pro allows us to be able to do that and makes that accessible. And I think it's going to, it's going to invite, I don't want to say force because they will force some people, but it's going to invite folks who are in this space who have gotten quite lazy at the kind of content they create, the kind of education we provide to really step up, step forward and step into the future of work. I'm so glad to be on this journey with you. I mean, every time we hang with you, I just can't wipe the smile off my face too. So thank you, Kish. Absolutely. Thank y'all. Hey friends, thanks so much for being here. Did you know we create a landing page for each podcast episode with helpful links, freebies, and even shareable graphics? Be sure to check it out at the link in this episode's description. You probably hear it in our voices, but we love connecting you with the most innovative people to help you achieve more for your mission than ever before. We'd love for you to join our good community. It's free, and you can think of it as the after party to each podcast episode. You can sign up today at weareforgood.com backslash hello. One more thing, if you loved what you heard today, would you mind leaving us a podcast rating and review? It means the world to us and your support helps more people find our community. Thanks, friends. I'm our producer, Julie Comfer, and our theme song is Sunray by Remy Borsboom. Rabbit fans have always powered the We Are For Good podcast, but now Rabbit fans can get even more goodness and access by joining Good Friends. It's our listener support community for the We Are For Good podcast. Good Friends comes with perks, exclusive episodes with John and I, including The Good Brief, our new monthly cliff notes of the greatest takeaways and lessons learned from that month, and exclusive AMA episodes where we answer your burning questions and tap our community of experts. Join now or learn more at weareforgood.com backslash friends. We can't wait to see you inside. That's weareforgood.com slash friends.